you're doing well. Welcome back to another edition of the Ariel Hawani Basketball Show. I, of course, am Ariel Hawani, and I'm very excited about today's interview. Today's guest is Michael Carter-Williams, a man who has really seen and done it all in the sport of basketball from the high school days. He was obviously a top recruit. His time at Syracuse and then the NBA Rookie of the Year back in 2014 and has obviously had some ups and downs, had one of the best debuts in uh, in recent NBA history, that, that first game for him in 2013, still talked about till this day, but then was blindsided the following season when he was traded at the trade deadline. And he's bounced around and he's battled through serious injuries, multiple surgeries, but he is back in the league. He is back with the Magic. And it seems fitting that he's back with the Magic because it really seemed over the last few seasons that he had found a comfortable home in Orlando. And so I'm delighted that he is back with the Orlando Magic. And he's a testament to working hard, to not giving up, to not giving up on your dreams. And also, he's a great role model because he doesn't mind talking about his battles with mental health, with depression, talked openly about that, about losing his family and getting them back, about the dark days after getting released from the Houston Rockets a few years back. Uh, Really appreciate him opening up, really appreciate his story, and love the fact that he is still fighting and back in the league. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with MCW, Michael Carter-Williams. Enjoy. I'm very excited to talk to this man here today for multiple reasons. In fact, we actually have a lot in common. We're both fathers. We're both uh, graduates. Well, not graduates. I graduated from Syracuse, but we're both alumni, right? That's fair to say from the great Syracuse University. Oh, we'll get to that in a moment as well. Uh, We both love basketball. And perhaps most importantly, we both love mixed martial arts. That's, in fact... Uh, how we first met uh, through his love of MMA and, of course, uh, me residing in that world for quite some time. He is of the Orlando Magic, uh, longtime NBA vet at this point, former Rookie of the Year, the one and only Michael Carter-Williams. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Ariel. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And uh, we've actually done interviews before, uh, but usually it's been about MMA and your love of combat sports, your love of mixed martial arts. This time we're going to focus on your basketball career, the actual job, what has made you famous. So I hope you don't mind. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem. Uh, you, you did mention though at the top there, uh, soon to be a graduate of Syracuse? Yeah, I have like two classes left. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long road. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to get that degree though. How, how long have you been working at it? Like since you left almost a decade ago or has it no, been? No, not, of- not since I left. I took a bunch of time off. Like I took like six years off and I was like, all right, let me, let me see. Cause I kept, you know, during like the NBA, NBA meetings with players they are like, you know, if you ever want to finish your degree, you know, they say it each year, like, you know, they give us our connecting person and, you know, the, the NBA pays for our classes and they give us the whole nine. And I've always, it's always been in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I might as well just, you know, just get it just because, you know, it's good to have. Can't Nobody can take it away. And, you know, who knows what I want to do after basketball. So, you know, it can't hurt. Uh, and your degree is? Communications. Oh, wow. So yeah, are, yeah, are, yeah. are you yeah. are you going in this direction? Do you want to uh, be a media guy? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's definitely a, an option of mine that I that I'd love to explore. Um, I feel like, you know, I don't know. 
you know, every year I'm like, I'm, I'm always thinking like something new or, you know, every two years I'm in like a different space or, you know, I got another kid or, <laughs> or something's going on. So, um, we'll see, we'll see, you know, I always, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to get in the coaching side as well. So not necessarily need my communications degree for that, but you know, it's just, a, it gives me another option. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of uh, current players, former players, everyone's popping up with their own show, podcast, or you you go into like, you know, the studio route, the analyst route. And I feel like now more than ever, as someone who grew up a huge fan, like to me, I knew nothing about Patrick Ewing. I loved Patrick Ewing, but the only time you would ever hear him speak is in the locker room, like two minutes after a game. Now I feel like the door has opened up. Open, into, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, like it's that, like, that, it's that, like that new media now. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, and that secrecy yeah. is kind of gone. Do you like that? Yeah. Or do you like, do you feel like we actually know too much about you guys? Like it, there's too much letting in to the public or do you think that's good? No, I, I honestly, I think it's good. You know, I, I think it, you know, I, I think it, a real perspective because you know i mean there's a lot of analysts out here who just you know speculate and and mm. say you know this guy feels this way this guy feels that way or you know i've heard from a, a valuable source that this this and that happens you know what i mean and now you kind of get it directly from the source so you can kind of it's cool man you know i i watch you know i was watching jj reddick i was watching uh draymond green you know i watch all those guys and they give a unique perspective of kind of what really goes on in the locker room and but it, it's good you know I, I like to hear you know from both you know, from both things, because, you know, obviously athletes aren't really professional analysis is like, it's just, so, you know, I kind of like hearing, you know, hearing both. Well, you got the setup to become a podcaster, a broadcaster, <laughs> whatever you want. So kudos on that. Appreciate um, it. Also kudos on returning to the league. You're back with the magic, uh, recently announced a new two-year deal. You didn't play last year. First, wh why were you out of the league for the entire 2021-2022 uh, season? So I had a, I had ankle surgery and then, um, I was rehabbing, <laughs> I was rehabbing my ankle and it still wasn't feeling right. Um, I had to, I ended up having to get another surgery. So I had two surgeries in the matter of like six months. So I needed a good period amount of time to really let my ankle heal. I kind of felt like it was my last, like, I felt like if I had another big injury after this one, it would have been like, you know, I kind of, I, I had to think about, you know, hanging it up. So, you know, I really wanted to take my time and and, and really rehab and and do the give myself some some real time to, you know, let my ankle heal and let some of my other injuries in my whole body heal as well. Okay. So while you were, you know, working to get back, the surgeries were you a member of the magic team or were you completely a free agent at that point? Um, I was so when they released me, so I was a completely a free agent at the time. Okay. So they released me last year during, so I was on the team half the year. And then when right. the trade deadline happened, they released me. And then I was working out there for a little bit. And then I went out, out to California to rehab. The reason I asked that is I didn't know if it was like, you know, a hush hush thing, because I saw you still rocking the magic gear. I would see in the comments, all the magic players, like giving you props and, and, and trying to motivate you. So I didn't know if you were like an official, unofficial member of the team, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of, kind of like I was, I, I wasn't, I was a, probably an unofficial member of the team. Like I was still in the team group chat. I'll still watch the games. You know, they would hit me up asking me what I saw, you know, in the game, what they can do better on, you know, I would just help them out here and there. Um, I talked to coach Mosley, you know, sometimes, you know, so I was kind of, basically I was, you know, in the mix a little bit, but you know, away from the team. Was there ever a point, you know, two surgeries on the ankle, such an important part of the body, especially as a basketball player where you were like, man, I don't know if I can overcome this. Like, did you ever doubt that you'd be able to actually make it all the way back? 
Yeah, yeah, I had my doubts. I had my doubts just because I think the rehab was so difficult. It's such a tedious rehab, right? You're just going like this with your ankle on bands, and it's like you don't, you can't really see any any results. There's no like the check marks are, you know, how I'm moving better. And some days I move good, some days I wasn't moving good. So I was like, man, like, you know, should I start exploring other things that I really want to do? Should I, you know? But you know, through the most part, I was, you know, my mind was really through the most part, my mind was really sharp on, on really trying to get back. Cause I really believe that I still have a ton of offer to the game. Um, I feel like I can contribute to a team, you know, you know, really well. And, um, I always had that in the back of my mind. So I, you know, pushing forward was, you know, kind of those thoughts. Uh, you're not an old guy by any stretch. You're still in your early thirties, but I feel like on this team, you are kind of the, the elder statesman, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm the oldest on the team. You are in fact the oldest, which is wild because to me, you're still, you know, the kid from Syracuse. Um, it's amazing how quickly these last 10 years have gone by. How do you feel being in that role? Like, are, are you cool being the big brother or is it still a little bit strange to you? Um, it, a little bit of both. It is strange just because I'm like, uh, <laughs> I do feel as though I'm not even that old. And, you know, all my teammates are young guys and they're all, they call me the grandfather, even though, again, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not old. Um, but, you know, I embrace it. You know, I feel like, I have a good perspective on the game and I, I feel like I can, you know, give good advice on, you know, different scenarios. And I've been through, you know, so many different scenarios in my career, whether it's being the best player on the team, whether it's, you know, coming off the bench, being a 10th man, you know, I've, I've, I've been through so many different scenarios that I'm able to relate with a lot of people, you know, on the team. So, um, you know, I kind of give that voice reason to the guys and, you know, they embrace it. I embrace it. So it's a good situation um, for the time being. But, you know, I definitely, you know, want to want to get back to, you know, get back to the real action. Uh, anyone in particular, maybe one or two people, maybe even more that you've kind of taken under your wing. I know I know you haven't been there an incredibly long time since coming back. But like you said, you're still in contact over the past year. Or so anyone would it be one of the point guards? Would it be someone else that you've tried to really help guide through through everything? Yeah, I think it's it's mostly the guards because we do spend a lot of time together, whether it's in film, you know, after practice. So, you know, Cole and Jalen and, you know, even Markel, um, you know, those guys, I, I've really, you know, tr tried to pay attention to, you know, what they're doing, especially defensively. You know, I feel like offensively, we're just running and gunning. We're young guys. And, you know, we give I give comments, you know, here and there offensively, but mostly on the defensive end, strategic things on, you know, what we can be better at. I saw a video, I, I'm not sure if it was your your first game back, so to speak, but it was definitely early on where um, after the starting lineups were announced, you were in the huddle with your daughter, I believe it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Could you tell me about that? that? That seemed very unique and a pretty damn cool experience as a father and as a daughter. How did that come about? Yeah, man, that was definitely a, a timeless moment, a moment I'll never forget. Um, I didn't even know how she got, I mean, she she's close with, um, the, there's this lady named Regan, she does um you know we text her for the tickets and you know during the home game she's in charge of you know the family room and things like that so charlie i'm close with regan and she has a child as well and charlie and regan are charlie and regan's daughter are friends okay um so they were with each other before the game and i think she brought them all down and um i didn't even know she was there and then so i saw her and we were going in the huddle and you know i just picked her up and we were all you know jumping it was it was it was a great moment it was, it was cool it was yeah cool. you rarely see that right yeah um, yeah someone's kid in, in, in the huddle. That was incredible. And I'm wondering if now you're a father of two, correct? Um, yep. and, and congratulations to, to your family on the uh, recent new edition. Um, 
is part of the motivation here. Like it's pretty damn awesome to play in front of your, your kids. Right. And they're yeah, still young. Sure. Your daughter is getting up there a little bit in a, where she can kind of understand what you do for a living. Is that part of the motivation to try to get of back course. to play in front of them? Yeah. 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 Of course. I definitely want to, you know, play in front of uh, my daughter and most really my son too, because he hasn't really seen me, <clears throat> seen me play on the court. So that's definitely a, a big part of my motivation. Um, and you know, my, my daughter will ask me, Hey, where are you going to, go play for the white and blue team again. Like, you know, and, and, and cause she just she saw me working out for a straight year. So she, she loved going to the game. She loves stuffy, the mascot. So that's her, that's her big reason of why she likes going to the games. Uh, does she practice jujitsu as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. She actually, <clears throat> when I left, um, to go rehab in LA, she, she, she stopped on me cause she was, uh, her mom, she was giving her mom a hard time, but we're, wow. she's going to start going again. And, and once we get a little things routine a little bit more, but she was loving it, man. She it was, it was good. She it was good for her. What about you? Have you ever done it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've done it. Um, I, I took some time off my ankle, but before that I probably did it for like a year and a half, like straight. Like it, it was, uh, it was fun. I love it. I love it. I'm still close with my teacher. Um, him and I, he's actually Shaq's teacher as well. He owns a, a gym called six levels. Um, I, I told you about um, him with Maya Hill and yeah, uh, uh, Grant Hill's daughter. Yeah, he, she's in that gym and she's really good, man. She's she's tough. She's gonna she's gonna make a run at it. Yeah, that is an incredible. I remember her her first fight. She got an incredible finish. Is she still showing up? She's still going. Yeah, at yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wow. she had another finish too. She and it was a, she fought a uh, she fought up a weight class um, and uh, she she won too. She 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 fin ended up finishing the girl TKO. Um, so she's got it in her. Yeah. She's got it. Like I said, great coach, John Burks, her, her coach. She's my jujitsu teacher as well. So they're, uh, they're doing their thing over there. Have you ever talked to Grant about how he feels about his daughter competing in MMA? Yeah. So I've seen, like, obviously he goes to the events and, you know, her mom goes to the events and, you know, I've asked him, you know, like, you know, how is it? And, you know, he was like, she loves it. So, you know what I mean? I, I give her support. Obviously he gets nervous about it, but you know, that's, that's what she loves to do. And she spends time, she spends a lot of time on it. And, you know, he's there for the support. How would you feel if your daughter wanted to be a fighter? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can deal with watching my daughter get hit in the face. Yeah. Like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could watch that, to be honest, Ariel. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I would not want that to happen or take part in any of that. Uh, by the way, when you compete in jujitsu, like, do you have to tell the teams like, how does that work? Because I remember talking to a player, I won't say his name, and he's like, eh, keep this on the DL, they can't know. Is that allowed? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a thin line to tread, I think. Okay. Um, I do it mostly for training. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I'm out here competing against guys and, you know, giving up, you know, knee bars and, you know, ankle locks and things like that. Like, my training is really, like I said, with my coach. Um, and then there's a few other people that, you know, I train with, but everybody knows like, look, I can't really go crazy. I'm just trying to learn techniques. You know, I, I do, you know, I do have, you know, I go to open roles sometimes, but you know, everybody really knows not to, not to go crazy. Right. Yeah. That would not be smart. And then the teams, I guess, would be upset if, yeah, uh, yeah. especially with the ankles now, probably best to, to leave that for when you're done. Um, you know, I was, I was watching an interview with you recently that you did while you were in the bubble. Um, it was with Bob Ryan and um, Jeff Goodman. 
And mm-hmm. uh, you got you, you guys had a nice little run there. You were playing great in the bubbles. It's kind of a depressing thing to rewatch, to be honest, because of the questions that are being asked, because this was like July of 2020. Um, but it was actually a, a very fascinating look into your life. And I, I wanted to explore some of this, if you didn't mind. You, you were talking a lot about mental health. And this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. I've talked about it as well, um, about overcoming things and, and being more open. And more players, especially in the NBA, have been talking about it. But... Um, you know, some of the stuff that you were saying, I, I had not known about, about, you know, just kind of the ups and downs and feeling down when you were out of the league and the injuries and the expectations and whatnot. And so just curious, like right now, obviously it seems like things are good. You're back. It's been a long road back. H- how are you dealing with that? H- how is the, you know, the mental side of the game for you? Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? Like I, like I said, you know, kind of earlier in this interview, you know, I've, I've been through so much in in this league like i've been at the highest of highest i've been at the lowest of lows you know having you know dmps you know what i mean so like i think since i've been through so much i've learned you know how to train my mind to be okay in any situation i'm in and know that there's a bright side and know that there's you know that my current situation doesn't last forever and um so you know it's taken a lot of work you know my mental health has been something that's been up and down and something that i've you know had to get work on i've had to get help um and and it's something that you know a lot of people go through and 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 people don't really you know take it as serious as it should be and you don't really really for at least for me i didn't really know kind of what was going on with my mind you know for a long time and to to take me to realize that i really needed to be like okay i, I really need to get my mental health intact because you know the way that i think isn't necessarily healthy and so you know fast forwarding until now um you know i i definitely enjoy the moments that <clears throat> that i have that are good and you know a lot more because i know that you know things can change quickly and you know if things do change and you're in a situation where you kind of don't want to be i've kind of given myself you know I, i've learned ways to you know get back into that space where you know i could make myself succeed so um i'm wondering is this something that has been kind of a constant theme in your life or was it only once you got to the NBA and, and, you know, things were going up and down that you felt like it was a real issue that you had to deal with. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, when I growing up, I really didn't have too many issues with that. And, and, you know, kind of things were not just per se easy in my life, but there's a lot of good moments, you know, high school, I was top 25 in the country. I was in the McDonald's all American game, the Jordan game. There's a lot of good things to focus on. I was trying to get to college. I was getting scholarships off or scholarships left and right. Um, Syracuse, Syracuse was probably the first time in my life where I've really faced some real adversity, um, on the mental side, just because I I had been playing basketball my whole life. And then, you know, my, my freshman year, I wasn't, you know, kind of playing at all. So I didn't really know how to react to that. Um, but yeah, I think that was the first time I, I really felt some, some, some real adversity. And then the next year was great. And then obviously my rookie year was, you know, one of the best times of my life. And then, you know, things got, you know, a little bit, you know, choppy and, and, you know, I had to learn how to deal with different situations. When did you start thinking that you needed to talk to someone? Because like early on, when someone is feeling a certain way, uh, you don't talk to, you're just like, all right, I'll get through this. Right. But then it kind of reaches a point, a boiling point. And then you, when did that happen? Um, I think my tipping point was in Houston. Um, I had gotten released from Houston. It was the first time of me getting released to a team. Um, I had issues internally with, um, I think Tia was my fiance at the time. She was my, she's, you know, she's my wife now. So she ended up, um, uh, we had Charlie was, 
she was young. Charlie was a newborn and, um, you know, she ended up leaving. So I was in, I was in Houston by myself. Then I got released from the team. Um, so that was like my lowest of low. And I was like, kind of like, damn, like, where do I go from here? Like, not only, you know, for a job, but you know, where, what in my life, who do I want to be? You know, what goals, what morals do I want to have for myself? And, um, you know, I really had to choose, you know, and really had to commit and, you know, really had to get some help, um, you know, in, 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 you know, the choices that I was making and the things that I was doing, you know, really had to be like, okay, I really need to sit back and, and really do things for myself so that the people around, I could treat the people around me correctly. So uh, you're out of the league, you're released, the the mother of your child and, and your, your girlfriend is gone, like not a part of your life? Not a, not, not a part of my life. I mean, of course we have, we had a child together, sure. so, but, but you guys you weren't know, together. Uh, we weren't together. We're basically not. Wow. And for how long did that last? That lasted for about a year and a half. Wow. We weren't together. Yeah. And yep. how, did, how did you deal with that? That was hard. Like I said, that was the hardest time of my life. Um, you know, uh, a scary, scary, scary thing is for me not to be in the same household and, and raising my kids. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, I, I loved Tia to death. So her not, you know, being there was, was hard. Um, it was a hard thing that, you know, I had to go through and work my ass off to get her back. So, <laughs> so Good man. Uh, yeah. So I, um, yeah, that, that was definitely the hardest part of my life. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were, were there days where you felt like you couldn't get out of bed, couldn't leave the house, things like that? Yeah. Yeah. There was days where, you know, all I, I was pissed waking up, you know, all I wanted to do was sleep stay in the bed. Um, you know, the, the only time where I would go outside is when, you know, uh, my therapist came over and we'd take a walk and, you know, discuss what was going on in my life. And, and it was hard because at, at that time there, there were some bright spots that I couldn't really appreciate. Like, you know, I was in Houston and then probably about a month, two months after that, I got signed to Orlando. And so I had to go to the gym and, you know, put a smile on my face and, um, you know, try to, you know, reconcile my, my career there. And then, you know, I would come home and, you know, I would just be in constant thought of, you know, there's no Tia here. There's no, you know, baby, there's no, there's no nothing. So I, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was, it was really, really hard. Who introduced you to your therapist? Um, I was seeing our team therapist and then he introduced me to, um, another therapist as well. So I was kind of seeing the, both of them, you know, at the okay. same time. Yeah, because I'm I'm always uh, fascinated by that because I feel like that first call or that first meeting is the tough one, right? Because you're not sure, should I open up? Should I not open up? Do I trust this person? Do I like this person? And then once the door is open, I feel like then it gets a lot easier, right? But initially, yeah. I find it tough. Yeah, no, initially, initially is very hard. Like initially, like you got to lay everything out on the table. Like what's going on with you? What's happened in your past that right. is, is giving you these feelings? You kind of have to explain somebody your whole life. And that brings up different emotions as well. Um, but I think once you get past that, once you get past the choppy steps, you know, it's weird how therapists can, you know, it's amazing how they can, you know, lead you to different answers in your life, just, you know, with communication. So once you get past that, it's, you know, it's one of the best things that I've ever done. And then the tricky thing is, and and why I feel for you and why I give you so much credit for talking about this is your life is so public, right? And and especially mm -hmm. the rookie of the year and the Syracuse run and your success, your first game, you know, your first game was unbelievable. Like people still talk about it. One of the great debuts in NBA history, right? I just saw someone yep. post a clip about it recently. And so is there any sort of like, like any sort of shame, any sort of embarrassment 
to come with that? Um, there used to be. There used to be. I used to always, you know, constantly worry about how people judge me or, you know, how people, you know, judge a role on my team. You know, I kind of felt like no matter if I even if I was a really important piece of my team because I wasn't first game Miami Michael Carter Williams, you know, that there was always be some judgmental there. And, you know, my, my work would always try to prove those people wrong and it would just be, you know, it would be such forced and it wouldn't just be like, I just want to get better just for me and, and to try to, you know, be the best basketball player that I can be, because this is what I decided when I was five years old of what I wanted to do. And this is why I want to keep going. Um, there are moments where I think like, dang, like, people are just going to harp on this because it's a, a negative thing in my life or, or it isn't a positive thing in my life. And, you know, it's going to be out on front street and people are always going to have to comment on, you know, what it is that, you know, I'm doing or, you know, how I'm performing. But nowadays, man, I just, I don't even, I don't even, it doesn't, it doesn't even bother me. Not a, not a single bit. Like you can say what you want. You know, I, I guarantee you the things that I go through is probably some of the same things that you go through. It's just not on front street. And, I'm not here to judge you. And, you know, I, since I've had that attitude, there's been a lot less things that I feel like that even come to me, honestly. Really? Like in terms of negativity? So, yeah, just in terms of negativity. Like I just embrace so much positivity. I try to be positive with everybody around me. And it's maybe because I have that, I have that attitude and, you know, maybe that, you know, the auras that come to me are, are mostly, you know, positive, or maybe I just don't even notice the negativity. I remember when Philly traded you to Milwaukee that following season, that was shocking as a fan. Do you remember where you were when you got the word? Did you have any idea that that was coming? No, I had no idea. I remember where I was. So it was me and my two friends. We were driving. Um, I don't know where we were going, but I remember I was in the car and we were driving in Philly. And I remember I was like, man, this like jokingly, I was like, oh, there's only like eight minutes left in the trade deadline. I'm like, I'm good. And then I get a call from my agent and I'm like, no way. Like even just looking at the phone ringing, I'm like, man, answered. You're, you, you know, you're being traded to Milwaukee. Jason Kidd wants you. And I was, I, I was kind of shocked, and I was like, man, because like I was in meetings with like Steve Hankey and I mean Sam Hankey and you know Coach Brett Brown about you know where our team's going from here, and they're asking me opinions on you know this guy and this guy and and what we what we're trying to accomplish and you know, things that I never even asked for that I was being a part, you know, to bring to to be part of. So for me to get traded, I was I was totally blindsided. I didn't know what was going on. When something like that happens, do you speak to management? Like, do you speak to anyone and be like, yo, like what happened here? Or do you just like, how does that work? Um, Everything's going on so fast. So it's like my agent was like, yeah, they want you to, you know, they want you down there in like three days, two days. So like I got to go pack all my stuff, make a ton of phone calls to get everything in Milwaukee, find housing there, do, you know, go down the whole nine. And then you do get a call from management and they do say like, you know, it was great having you. It's kind of like a goodbye conversation rather than like, hold on a second, like, you know, what happened here that made you guys want to, you know, trade me like there there was no conversation about that it just kind of things that are like for me the conversation didn't necessarily need to happen just because you know things are already done if there was a chance where things weren't settled then i'd be like okay like let's talk about this but things are already done so i was just like and plus i was 21 at 22 at the time i didn't really like speaking to management at that time is a lot different than speaking to management now right you feel like you're talking to 
you know, somebody who's superior to you. Right. Did you feel betrayed? Yeah, I definitely, definitely did. Only because, like I said, I was, I was brought into things that I really necessarily didn't ask for. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't I'd tell you guys that I needed, I wanted to give you my opinion on who we should get next or, or who we thinking about drafting or who we, you know, want to trade for in the future or what our future looks like. Like I didn't, I didn't ask to be a part of those conversations, but yeah, I was brought into those for you guys just to trade me. It was a, uh, it was, it was a difficult situation. And and you were kind of like one of the first building blocks of the trust the process era, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then and then like in a flash, you're gone. I could I could imagine you having some kind of like salty feelings towards them. Like what the hell? For sure, for sure. I, I definitely was, and especially because what what I've already had went through all year. You know, I probably right. had. I'd be willing to bet any money that I had the most teammates ever in in a year. Um, so that I was already season. frustrated. Yeah, that rookie season. Um, yeah. So I was like, man, like everything that I've already went through, you know, all the losses, all the new teammates, um, all the changing going on and, you know, still stuck by, still try to play my ass off every single game, um, try to, you know, stay positive in the locker room through all, you know, the losing. And then, um, yeah, so I definitely, definitely did feel betrayed. You mentioned uh, your agent calling you. That wasn't your mom, right? Your mom uh, no, at one she, point was no, your manager, she, right? She, yeah, she was my manager. But and how she, long was she your manager for? Um, man, she was my manager for for a while, probably like seven years. Probably no, probably less than that. Probably six years. Oh, six years in the NBA. Yeah, six years in the NBA. Yeah. And and what was that like? You don't hear that quite often. <laughs> I mean, it was there was there was there was definitely some some good parts about it. Um, you know, obviously having your mom as you know your your manager, there's there's some down moments as well, but. <laughs> Um, but you know, for the most part, it was good, man. She, she really helped me save a lot of money. Um, she was the one that was always in my ear and she did a lot of different, a lot of different things, just, just everyday things, you know, just, just making sure that my mind was straight and needed to be focused on what I, you know, the tasks at hand and, you know, made sure everything in the background was going, was going straight. So it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting, you know, it was an interesting time, but definitely something that I needed at the time. Here's the thing though. And I, and I'm sure part of you being young, it, you know, it, it helped to have your mom there. You can trust her, right? She's not going to try to, but then at what point, like, how do you have the conversation that you're going to go in a different direction? That's your mom at the end of the day. How does yeah, that Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was tough. It was, it was hard. It was hard. I mean, I think it was more, she had so much going on herself. Like we started an MCW stars and that got way bigger than, you know, we ever even thought about, you know, it's an AAU team. We have like 12, 13, 13 girls teams and a couple boys teams as well. But wow. Um, so that got, you know, really big and she started doing, um, she started basically, I, I can't remember the word, but giving advice to, to parents about, you know, the process for, for college girls. And, um, so she would have meetings all day and I was just like, look, mom, like you got a lot going on yourself. You need to give yourself some more time, at least some free time. Like I'm at the, I'm at the age where I can find somebody who's a, you know, who can be my manager and help me out. And do the things that I need to do. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't definitely a, it wasn't a bad thing at all. It was more of a, she's has a lot in her plate and she needs to, you know, kind of focus on that. Okay. So you guys are cool. Didn't ruin oh, the yeah. relationship. Oh, no, no, not at all. Okay. It's, it's, it's mom forever. All right. That's good. Uh, by the way, do, do most players have agents and managers? Um, yeah, most, most people do, whether it's their friend, you know, but, but most people, cause it's tough. It's tough to juggle everything. Right. Um, there's so much going on that 
that that most most guys need somebody you know kind of in their corner to take care of things behind the scenes um that that year that you got traded to the bucks uh Giannis obviously was in the same draft class as you but he was you know the skinny greek kid um didn't i mean we started to know year one two that he could be something but like did you have any idea he would turn into this um i don't think any idea that he would turn into this um but i did know i i you know there was there was times where you watch him play and even in practice where we'd have you know say we're playing a game up to 11 there'll be like three plays where you're like holy shit like (laughs) if he if he can do that like eight times instead of three then like it's gonna look totally it's going to look different and you know as years went on you know those 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 three four times a game where you're like whoa this kid could be special turned into eight turned into 12 and now you get the the final product so early on you could see that he was going to be you know especially when he started filling out you know it was like yeah there's there's probably no one that's going to be able to stop him in a year's in a year's time did you like playing for jason kidd um me and him we had our ups and downs um i think that for him, it was his first year of coaching as well. So there was a lot of things that he was trying to figure out. Um, for me, it was, you know, I felt a lot of the time I felt as though when he looked at me, he saw a lot in himself and he would kind of hold that standard. And um, I remember having many conversations with him being like, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not you right now. I would love to be you in, in eight years from now. You know, you're all you said that Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I had, yeah, yeah, I said that to him, and I and I because I thought that there was a lot of pressure on me, you know, when I, when he used to speak to me to do that, and um, you know, I, I wish our relationship was better at the time. I wish there was things that we could have figured out, um, but I think where I was in in my life dealing with just being traded, and where he was in his life with, you know, just being a first time coach, there was a lot of things where, um, where we butt heads, um. But he's one of the coaches, he's one of the best coaches that I've had who um, in in game time adjustments and what he was able to see um, throughout the game and little things that he was able to tell me in within the game um, to do. Um, he was he was he was amazing at that. And I think that's what makes him kind of the coach that he is. But um, our relationship wasn't nah wasn't wasn't the greatest. Um, so. It was, but it was an experience. Like I said, I learned from it. Um, I moved on, got no hate for him, nothing but love for, you know, him and his family. Uh, you talked about having a lot of uh, teammates, also a lot of coaches, uh, just kind of part of the gig. Uh, yep. Favorite favorite coach that you played for in the NBA? Oof, man. Um, Excluding <sighs> your current coach, because, you know, I don't want to get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excluding my current coach, I'd probably say Coach Clifford. Really? Um, yeah, having him, you know, as a coach, me and him, we we I still talk to him a lot. Um, he's probably the one of the best coaches I've ever had in NBA for sure. Um, I just think that he's when he's honest, he's you know, he's brutally honest. So you always know where you're at, you know, mentally, you know, what in terms of playing time, in terms of what you need to do to play. Um, you know, I think that he's a defensive coach. I'm a defensive player, so you know, we mesh well there. Um, I think he respects, you know, what I bring to the game. Um, and, you know, it's in today's game, it isn't, you know, the defensive guy isn't, you know, it's it's not a really well-respected position on the team. Um, so I think I think those things would are his honesty, um, his, inter- his integrity. Um, you know, he, he 
works hard. He works hard every single night. So like he he's after the game, he's upstairs, you know, watching the game. He's in the gym till 12, first one there. Um, so, you know, I respect his worth, work ethic and um, him and I, we had a ton of conversations, uh, you know, outside of basketball, you know, just about life in general. He's from, he's a New England guy. He's from um, New Hampshire, Maine. And so, you know, we, we had, we've had a, a bunch of conversations. We know a lot of the same people growing up and um, yeah, so he's probably my favorite. Was there ever a situation that obviously the Philly one was a little bit different, but that you were feeling good, you enjoyed and you were like, man, I don't want this to end. And yet the business of basketball, you know, you don't really get to choose where you go unless you're a free agent. Like, was there one in particular that you were happy about um, leaving? And also really that uh, conversely, that was really, really tough to leave the situation. Yeah. I mean, even Milwaukee was hard to leave, you know, really being, being, being traded to Chicago. Um, that was hard. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have the best relationship with my coach at the time, but I think that, you know, the guys that we had there, you know, I was me and Giannis, like I say, he's still one of my best friends still today. You know, that was, that was really hard, you know, leaving him. We put so much time in the gym together, um, every night, you know, after practice, you know, after games, you know, shooting together, you know, working out, lifting, um, we just, we just, we put a lot of time and we could see that things are going to be good. You know, we had myself, we had Yanni, we had Chris, um, you know, I mean, look, I mean, they went on to win a championship, you know, sure. years later, but you could see that core group together was, you know, something that's special. We had, you know, we, you know, we had great moments, you know, we beat um, Golden State when they were undefeated for a while, we were like 21 and 0, like we were, you know, we beat them, you know, at home, like it was, we went to the playoffs, we had a good series against the Bulls. Like there was just things that, you know, we looked forward to and being like, you know, damn, one day I hope together, you know, we're able to be on a team where we can do things like Golden State, you know, we can do things like Cleveland. And um, so, you know, that was tough. That was tough to leave that situation. Man, I can't imagine. You just get a phone call. All of a sudden you have to pack your life and leave. Yeah, that was, that was like, we had just finished up training camp. That was like after it was our last game of preseason. So I had Jeez. no training camp with the Bulls. I had no preseason with the Bulls. I was walking into a situation where we had like four guards on the team. Um, and so I, you know, I was the, I was a new, I wasn't new in that, new in that team and didn't know any plays, had to relearn everything really fast. Like, you know, for training camp and preseason is where you really get acclimated, you know, into your teammates, you know, into the coaching staff, into the plays, you kind of set, you know, who's going to be what. And, um, so that was tough. You know, I was thrown into a situation where it was, it was, I wouldn't say impossible to succeed, but it was tough. Was that, was that the Dwayne Wade Bulls? That was D Wade Bulls, Rondo, Damn. Jimmy Butler. What was that? What was yeah. the Dwayne Wade Bulls like? <sighs> that was a crazy year, man. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. That was a crazy year. I mean, it was. We uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was an. It was a weird situation. Like we had, we had uh, Jimmy D Wade, Rondo, Taj Gibson, like a bunch of old guys, and we yeah. had Fred Hoiberg was his first year of coaching. Right. So and we had Rondo. So there was like, it was a bunch of guys that have been there for 12 plus years. And then a rookie head coach couldn't have been easy for him just by the situation given. And so there was just a lot of situations where I was just like, I'll never forget these. <laughs> really? Were you happy when that one was over? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that was just a lot. It was just a lot going on. Like I needed to go somewhere where, you know, there wasn't so much going on and, you know, we could just focus on basketball. Excluding the current squad that you're with, best locker room that you've ever been a part of, where it just seemed like everyone 
were everyone was friends tight enjoy there was no like one lone wolf type you know what i mean like yeah no black I, sheep, I, I would no think cancer. i would yeah yeah charlotte for sure really um yeah i had marvin williams kemba walker um jeremy lamb frank Kamitsky. you know those guys are i still talk to those guys to this day like we had an unbelievable locker room um there was just, you know, like our guys that have been there for a while, our leaders were Kemba and Marvin Williams. And those are probably the two nicest dudes I've ever met in the NBA in my life. Wow. Yeah. Well, like what, what, what makes them so great? Just like good, good teammates, humble guys. Like great teammates, humble human beings. Um, you ask anybody about Kemba or Marv, like, for example, that was, a, <laughs> we had a game and I think we were playing Portland and um, one of the guys from the Blazers actually got into it with Marv. And okay. I saw one of the guys from the Blazers, his own teammate, grab his own teammate and was like, no, not like, this you're guy. Not, 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 we don't, we're not, we're not doing that. Like Marv is just like one of the best human beings that, you know, you can meet. And Kem is the same way. Kem is the same way. Nice to everybody. Doesn't say, I'm, you know, one of those people who doesn't say a mean thing about anybody, no matter what, both of them. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even like, <laughs> like, I'm not even like as, you know what I mean? I've, I've had my fair share of, you know, things between people, but you know, those guys, they don't, they don't say a word. I really wanted it to work out with Kemba and the Knicks. I wanted that to work out so, for him. You know, I thought it would like to have a New York city point guard yeah. on the Knicks would have been so great. That would have um, been great. Yeah. See, it seemed like everyone liked him, but uh, just one of the, maybe a, a, a few years uh, too late. Um, and so it's great that you still keep in touch with a lot of these guys. And, oh, yeah. And that, that, that's amazing. So like, that's probably, you know, obviously you want to be playing, you want to be, you know, but just getting to see them still and go from, you know, city to city, arena to arena, that has to be part of the fun as well, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely, I'm always, you know, going from city to city, checking in with guys, going to dinner with, you know, different teammates that I've had in the past. Um, it, it, it's great. Like I said, you know, through basketball, I've met some of, some of, some of the best people, uh, some of my best friends and, um, I'm, yeah, I'm always keeping in touch with them. I went to Marvin's wedding, I think it was two years ago, Marvin Williams' wedding and Kemba should be getting married soon. So <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, as, yeah. Far, as far as, uh, guarding people, like you said, you, you, you take pride in your defense. Who's one guy that you always like, you felt like you got up for like I, I want like I want to freaking stop this guy like I like the challenge. Oh, I think of Steph. Really? Yeah, Steph. Yeah, and he's probably the hardest guy I've, I've probably had to. Like, I could the imagine. Hardest point guard I've already had to guard. Um, but yeah, no, his his game was. I mean, you just know like there's no like because you can't relax ever. So yeah. you, I'm always like I got to be up for this game. Like I got to be ready to move. I got to be ready to run. You know, everywhere on the court and. Um, it's been fun, man. I mean, I've had, you know, not even in a, a talking trash type of way. Like I've had some some good success against him, and just to know, it feels good to know. Like, dang, the best the best player in the world in my position, I'm able to, you know, have some success against. It's like that's that's what I've worked hard for since I was, you know, a, a young kid, and and to, to do that um, is is you know it's something to be proud of yourself for. Absolutely. Um... Do you have a favorite game, a favorite moment? Um, yeah, probably my favorite game is probably when we we did beat Golden State when I was in Milwaukee. Um, it was just a game that, you know, together of our whole team, we were like, man, like, this is just a great opportunity to do what, you know, to to make a little history to stop their streak. And they were obviously rolling. And um, you know, we were, you know, we had the their whole crowd was in 
t-shirts with 21 and one like this just the whole environment was was just awesome and we just played such a great game together as a team um where everybody contributed and and, and did you know the right things is probably you know my favorite game and it's probably you know it's, it has a lot to do with them being 21 and 0 right no, of like, course for sure um just a couple more things and i'll let you go and i really appreciate yeah, the yeah time. no problem thank you so much could i ask you about um john morant and and your take on the situation, you you know what it's like to have everyone watching you, and obviously his situation a little bit different, and you you never got into anything like that. But I feel like most people think that he'll be able to turn things around, and and this is just a bump in the road for him. But when you're seeing it from the outside looking in, and I don't know if you have a relationship with him, what comes to mind? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know him just by you know, I only know him just by playing. Um, obviously, it's a tough situation for him. Um, he's made some some immature choices. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll be fine. I think he'll learn from it. He'll move on. Um, you know, coming from, you know, Murray state, you know, coming from, you know, being the underdog, um, and proving everything that he's proven. Um, I know deep inside he's feeling like, you know, there's no way I could give all that up, everything that I've done just because of, you know, silly decisions that I've made in the past. Um, and to keep doing them and not learn from them is, you know, is, is something that I think that, you know, he will, you know, and I hope, you know, I hope he does. He's so talented, like one of the most talented guys I've ever seen on the floor. So, you know, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll learn from it, move on. Like there's a certain level of embarrassment that he probably feels um, that could change you as well. You know, I think that, you know, making those mistakes, um, then I I think in today's world, it's hard, right? Like, you got to allow people to make mistakes in life for them to get better as human beings. Right. Like, isn't that what, you know, life's all about, you know, mm. doing things and, and learning from them and moving on. So um, as much as people want to critique him and and, and want to get on his back for doing the things he's doing and what he represents, a big organization is, you know, his brand is, is big himself. You know, he's obviously taking the biggest hit from it. So um, I'm a big fan of allowing people to make their mistakes and, you know, wishing them well, and hopefully they can, you know, overcome that. I know this isn't like a really popular thing to say, especially to an athlete, but I feel for you guys in many respects. Number one, I mean, like, could you imagine in the 80s and 90s if there was Instagram and, and Twitter and all this, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. imagine the Jordan era, this has been said before, like him going to Atlantic City supposedly and whatnot. Like, could you imagine the phones and all that stuff, all the stuff that they went through? And then also, the other thing is, it's like, and, and correct me if you feel otherwise, I feel like you make one mistake on the court. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's sharing this clip and clowning on you. And there's almost like this fear of failure when in reality, like you got to go for it. Like you're playing, you got to put your body on the line. And I, I think that's detrimentally tough for you guys. Like you're in this fishbowl and everyone's scrutinizing every single thing. And you make one mistake, you get dunked on or crossed over. And now you're you're being ridiculed on Twitter. You're a freaking pro athlete at the highest level of your sport and there's dudes on twitter does that mess guys up do you feel like that's a big part of the problem yeah i think so yeah absolutely you know i've been i've been a victim of that myself um it takes work to just be like you know what hey if that happens that happens but you you know there's more important things on the line than that and you know for especially the league gets younger and younger each year so you know guys come in and they're like i can you can see you can you can see times where you know you can look and be like, oh man, that could that guy could have probably took a charge if he wanted to, but he's a little scared. He'll get dunked on, and, and right. you know he ends up a meme. Or even even the saying like, you, you think I wanted to end be end up being a meme? Like even that itself is like that wasn't a mind. thing ten years ago. That, yeah. yeah, that wasn't yeah that 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 wasn't a thing. So I think you have a valid point on that 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 people are you know afraid to end up you know being that, which takes away from 
you know, what they may do on the court. You ever check your phone in the middle of a game? Uh, that's another thing that's new. That's in, at, at halftime. There's a lot of people who, who check their phones. Like that's a that's, that's dangerous, a, that's a, right? That's a new. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's checking a, that's, social media and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily check social media. I may check if I have a text message or, you know, a lot of the times, you know, especially when I was playing, you know, the, the my stepfather, he, he's always been in my, you know, corner. He gives me advice about the game all the time. So I mostly check to see if he sees something that you know, to tell me, you know, what, you know, to do in the game. Okay. But no people you like, you don't think young guys are checking Twitter. Yeah, they probably do. They yeah. probably do. And then yeah, you get hate and that's got to mess you up. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, it absolutely. messes me up. I do a show and I'm checking Twitter and all of a sudden I'm like, God, I suck. Yeah. I'm the well, worst. Didn't, <laughs> well, didn't Steph, didn't Steph say that he kind of uses that as motivation? Like he'll check. I guess his, but he's his, just his, a different his, breed. I mean, yeah, I would like want to yeah. like go into a ball in the corner and cry. Some yeah. 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 Shit that you guys get. I mean, yeah. Just proving the point that it happens though. Yeah. Right. Uh, I hate that. Um, Jim Beheim, no longer the coach at Syracuse. You played for him. Are you surprised to see him go at this point? Or do you think that it was, you know, it was time? Um, I do think it was time. Um, you know, he's, he's been there for what, 47 years. Um, he's seen everything. He's, he's done everything you could accomplish. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's getting up there in age, not to say that he probably couldn't coach, you know, the next five years, but I think that, you know, I think when your time is, is over for something, you know, it's, it's over. And I think having coach Autry coming in and having G Mac as the head one assistant is they're going to, they're going to do well. I think they're going to bring a new energy to the team. Um, you know, they've had Syracuse had some some down years the past couple of years. So um, I think it's time. I think it is time for a change. And, you know, he's done, you know, obviously it's, you know, you can go on and on of what Coach Beheim has done for Syracuse. So, but um, yeah, I do think it is time for a change. I saw you wrote a nice post um, in honor of him. Do you still have a relationship with him at all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, he's older, so he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, use yeah. his phone that much. But, you know, me and I definitely send him a text. Um, you know, I probably talk to him every couple months, just, you know, just checking in, saying what's up. You know, I'd send him a, a message as well, just a thank you and um, congrats on, you know, retirement. He's got kids now, too. His kids, you know, Jimmy and Buddy um, and baby girl, too. She, They're all out of they're, they're all out of school, I believe. His daughter might still be in college, but, you know, the rest of them are, you know, out of college. Speaking of people watching, like I, I, I heard like he, like he's a junkie, like he watches everything. So would you get texts from him in the middle of games as well? Like he's watching you. He doesn't do that. <laughs> no, he doesn't do no. that. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. I just, you know, um, and, and now you're getting an, an up close look at Paolo Banchero, uh, your thoughts on him. And I think he's going to be really good. Like he doesn't know, he doesn't even know how good he is right now. Really? So in the things he does and the way he does, you know, things are, you know, are beyond his years. I think like he gets 20 a night and he doesn't even, he doesn't even get easy bat. He gets some easy baskets, some games, but like consistently he doesn't get those easy ones that he can get. Right. And he still gets 20 a night. You know, he's going to be, I think he's going to be really, really good. Does that remind you at all of Giannis in a way? I know, I know maybe he's, you know, Giannis was a little bit more unrefined. Yeah, Giannis, yeah, Giannis was definitely more raw than he was. Right, okay. Than, than he is right now. He's he's more skilled than Giannis was at, at 19, 20 years old, I think. Crazy. Um, and, and I had read that you're a big time reader. Are you still reading? Yep, still reading. What are we yep. reading? I just finished up a book. Um, it's, it was, it's called, um, I think it's called 
the motivation, I believe. I can't remember okay. who writes it, but it, it was like the motivation in meditation. It's a, it's, it was a, no, no, I'm sorry. The visualization. That's what it's called. Okay. Visualization. It was a visualization book. Um, it was good. It was good. It was, a, there was a lot of good um, tactics in there. A lot of good things to, you know, the, to teach me, you know, how to visualize and the different exercises in there that, you know, that, um, that I'm definitely, you know, excited to try out. So those are the kinds of books that you're reading. Is, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I usually, ones? yeah, I usually read like, I usually read like three self-help books and then I'll read something like random. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, why do we cut the hair? So I don't know, man. Like I, I, I wanted to keep it long and then I put it in dreads. And then it was, was cool. Like, I love the dreads. Yeah, yeah. I, and then I, I don't know. I just got sick of it, man. I just got tired of it. And then I got signed to a team and I was like, you know what? Like I'm going in. I'm going in, I'm cutting them off and going in, but I'm growing my hair back out again. I'm just not going to put it in dread. So, okay. Was it weird to cut them? Yeah, it was weird. It was like, my barber was like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. It was beeswax and everything. Did you do that whole thing with the beeswax? Is that how you? Nah, had nah. Them? He did. Nah, he just cut them. He just no. Cut like when scissors. you made them, like when you actually made the dreads. How did oh you... yeah, yeah, yeah. They had wax. And, yeah, oh, and everything. Sick. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted yeah. to have uh, dreads, but I just <laughs> wasn't cool enough. Thick hair. I got the thick hair, but it just right. Didn't you quite get you... it? I had the fro back <laughs> in the day at Syracuse. I was rocking the fro. Did you? Yeah, I'll send it to you, man. It was like yeah, it was actually quite big. Me. It was like 1970s style, but I just couldn't go to that next step to get the dreads. You know, it's like a whole other level. And I just yeah, it is, a, it is a different level. Did your did brother not, have a fro too, or no? Not quite as big as mine. He, I know not you know my bro, yours. David. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, he was trying to copy my game. You know, he's trying was, to get you copy your yeah, style. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but he's way cooler than I am now, especially these days. Um, this has been wonderful, man. I really appreciate the time. Great to talk to you more about your life and your career. And I'm so happy that you're back in the league. So happy that you're back with the Magic. It seems like you really found a home there. And so it only felt fitting that you would come back to them. And, and now you can be this, uh, you know, this veteran. But I know you want to get active and, and not just be that guy. So I wish you nothing yeah, but absolutely. the best. And, and I hope you remain healthy and we get another 10 years of MCW in the NBA. That would be tremendous. Yeah, Thank you so much awesome. for doing Thank this. Thank you. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate you having me. All right, that was great stuff. Much love to Michael Carter-Williams. Appreciate his time very, very much. And again, love that he's back in the league and hopefully he's able to go on a run here and get healthy and, and really be a nice veteran piece for this very, very young Orlando Magic team. Uh, one of the best guys that I've met in the game and uh, really appreciate him giving us so much time and, and being so honest about some of the not so fun things to discuss like mental health and depression and whatnot. So wish the best to him and his family. If you follow him on social media, go check out that clip of him in the huddle with his daughter. That was amazing stuff. I can assure you he'll never forget that and I hope she'll never forget that as well. Michael Carter-Williams, our guest this week. Thank you so much to him. Thank you to everyone out there who continues to listen to the show, who continues to rate, follow, subscribe, review, comment. All those things mean a lot. I appreciate you all very much and I can't wait for next week. We'll be back with another conversation right here on the Ariel Hawani Basketball Show. Take care.